Good morning, everyone. I'm R.W. Estella with a word in edgewise. Happy belated Mother's Day. Here's hoping all you mothers out there received what you deserved yesterday. Today in 1914, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed Mother's Day a national observance. Today is the 9th of May, the 129th day of 2022, leaving 236 days for us on our way to 2023. Today in 1386, the Treaty of Windsor between Portugal and England took effect and is now the world's oldest diplomatic alliance still in force. Today in 1865, President Andrew Johnson issued a proclamation declaring armed resistance in the South was virtually at an end and established the commonly accepted date for the end of the American Civil War. Though, if the widespread continued use of the stars and bars as an important symbol for many armed citizens is any indication of resistance to American unity, then maybe the American Civil War has never really ended. Today in 1960, the United States became the first country to legalize the birth control pill. Think about that in relation to the regressive considerations by our Supreme Court this past week regarding a woman's right to run her own body. Heavenward in May, look to the southwest sky just after sunset as dusk fades to darkness around 8.40 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time to see Regulus, the brightest star in, and therefore the heart of, the constellation Leo the Lion. Also today, the moon in May is in its first quarter. And let us recall William Shakespeare's note about stiff breezes affecting the local botany, as rough winds do shake the darling buds of May. This past Friday, the Bangor Daily News published an informal poll taken among 409 responses online asking, Are you worried about ticks? 92% answered yes, and likely for a host of reasons, 8% answered no. Tick-borne diseases remain a sobering reality, readily acquainting us with what the main landscape holds in store as the grass rises along with ambient temperatures. Early last week, for example, a friend and I went for a brief seven-mile paddle on Pushaw Stream in Old Town, where the heron were many, along with the egrets and a bald eagle or two. When we returned to shore, I hadn't paid much attention to the modest plant life growing by the water's edge as I exited my canoe and then portaged it up to my truck. But after I had strapped the canoe onto its rack, I felt something small crawling up my right cheek, intercepted it just below my eye, and discovered that my fingertips now held a young tick, which had apparently become a passenger moments before during my apparently careless disembarking procedure. On other threatening fronts, notable this past week has been the news from the Maine Center for Disease Control and Prevention that Maine currently has the nation's highest rate of COVID-19 infection. This, of course, happening while concentrations of COVID in wastewater samples are returning to levels similar to those seen in February. The casual analysis is easy. When we relax our vigilance, relax restrictions on congregating, unmask, our rates of COVID rise. In addition to the BA2 variant of the Omicron strain that emerged earlier this year, BA2.12 and BA2.12.1 have now also joined the contagion party and are deemed the most communicable strains yet.
Here in the United States at the moment, we have 83 million cumulative cases of COVID since the first reported cases on January 21st, 2020. Dividing that number by the total cases worldwide of about 517 million, we find that we in the U.S. continue to have roughly 16% of the world's cases of COVID, while we are only 4% of the world's population. Importantly, however, 16% is an improvement over the 17% of last month and the 20% of the world's cases we had in the U.S. during February. Elsewhere, in a somewhat distant second place to the U.S. stats, India has 44 million cases. In third place globally is Brazil with 31 million cases. Fourth place this past week again goes to France, owing to its significant recent spike in cases, so that its total since the beginning of the pandemic is now 30 million. In a relatively close fifth place is Germany with 26 million cases, right behind with 23 million cases. In sixth place is the U.K. And seventh place again goes to Russia with 19 million cases cumulatively since the beginning of the pandemic about 28 months ago. On the fatal front worldwide, numbers of deaths due to COVID are officially, at sites such as Johns Hopkins, now at 6.3 million, though the World Health Organization this past Friday, according to the Associated Press, estimates that nearly 15 million were killed either by coronavirus or by its impact on overwhelmed health systems in the past two years. COVID deaths here in the United States, according to Johns Hopkins, are currently at 998,000. Though NBC News this past Friday reported that, according to its sources, the United States has passed the 1 million mark in COVID fatalities. Averaging the data from the two sources means the U.S. has sustained more than 4,000 deaths since last week. Not a huge number for some folks, only an average of 571 of our citizens dying per day from the virus. Not a big number, unless someone close to you has succumbed to COVID. No matter what, however, the United States continues to be the world leader in COVID's horrific toll. Worldwide, more than 11.4 billion doses of vaccine have been administered. Today in 1936 in Lancashire, England, Albert Finney was born, the son of a Lancashire bookmaker who associated with plenty of horse racing's colorful characters who, biographer Ed Morrow tells us, would provide young Albert with valuable examples of the ne'er-do-well characters he would later play in adulthood. After training at the Royal Academy for Dramatic Arts, Albert was offered a film contract, but unlike most young actors who would leap at such an opportunity, Albert chose to work on the stage instead, appearing with the Birmingham Repertory Company and at the Old Vic. Stage experience, which would make his film experience appearance in the 1960 Saturday Night and Sunday Morning a sensational success. Three years later, Albert delivered well-received performances on stage and on screen in Luther and in Tom Jones, respectively, telling a New York Times interviewer, People told me to cash in on my success while I was hot. But what I wanted to do then was go around the world. Captain Cook had been a hero of mine when I was a kid. Following Finney's year of traveling, a long string of successes followed, including Murder on the Orient Express, Annie, and Aaron Brockovich, among others. Finney once received an honorary doctorate of letters from a well-known British university. Finney bragged a little bit to his father, who replied, 
Doctor of Letters, eh? And then Riley countered, You never even send me a postcard. Today is also the birthday in 1147 of Minamoto no Yoritomo, Japanese founder of Bakufu, or Tent Government, of which he was the first shogun. Of Italian poet Dante Alighieri in 1265, of American abolitionist John Brown in 1800, of Scottish novelist and playwright and creator of Peter Pan, J.M. Barry in 1860, of American shipbuilder and industrialist Henry J. Kaiser in 1882, of evangelist Catherine Kuhlman in 1907, of telejournalist Mike Wallace in 1918, of American poet Mona Van Dyne in 1921, of English actress Glenda Jackson in 1936, of American long jumper Ralph Boston in 1939, of American actress Candace Bergen in 1946, and of musician Billy Joel in 1949, and American poet Joy Harjo in 1951. From Orono, Maine, I'm R.W. Estella with a word in edgewise. Here's to the eighth week of spring.